Gary Parish. It's Monday, April 2nd, 2018. Welcome back to the Ion College Basketball Podcast. I got Matt Norlander here with me. We're both in San Antonio. We are preparing, in some ways, for the national championship game. It's going to tip off uh, late a Monday. It is Villanova against Michigan. Norlander, how are you on this Monday morning? Gary Parish. I'm doing okay. A little low on sleep, but I'm still doing all right. And... We had a little fun last night. It was great to uh, actually lure you out and get you to socialize with us common folk for a change. How did we hang out? Say it again, my man. Did we hang out or did we hang out? We definitely hung out. Some things I will not share on this podcast for the benefit of both of us, but really really more so you. Did did anything stupid happen? I don't remember anything dumb happening. I mean, do you remember when we left to come back to the hotels last night? I'm not big on remembering leaving places. Okay. Well, I'm not going to get into that. It's not really my strong suit. I'm not going to get into that. But listen, we did have uh, quite a good time in San Antonio. We were able to meet up with with a number of people. And all I'll say is this before we get to the title games. San Antonio is the 1B to New Orleans is 1A for for Final Four destinations. Um, And uh, we even – you weren't sitting next to me when this happened, but we ran into some – some fellas uh, that appeared to be maybe in their mid fifties or so. They've gone to you know tw- the past twenty six Final Fours or whatever, and uh, they were they were kind of saying the same thing. I've run into a lot of people uh, that just they love what San Antonio has to offer. And in recent years, Dallas and Houston have hosted Final Fours, but really Texas should be the only. Uh, I mean, uh, San Antonio should be the only city in Texas that hosts this thing. It's been it's been pretty cool. I love that you can walk right to the dome. And it's, San Antonio's got a good vibe to it, a lot of good restaurants. So it's been uh, it's been fun. Sunday night was certainly intriguing. You got to meet Kyle Boone, our buddy Kyle Boone's here with us in San Antonio, and he was kind enough. You know what? I'm gonna give Kyle. I'm gonna give Kyle. I was gonna give him a shout out, GP. Kyle Boone gave us gifts. <laughs> which he was, did. Yeah, which is very sweet, but also requires you to carry them the whole night, which can be complicated. Although. I can tell you I'm staring at it right now. I was worried that I I would lose it at some point, but I didn't. I carried it all the way back to the hotel. Well, he carried it for you a little bit some some of the night. But you made it but it made it back to the hotel with you, which here. I'm which I'm it's thrilled here. about. Was that really the first time I've ever met Cal Boone? Was that the first time you've ever met Cal Boone? Well, I met him the day before, but yes, that was the first time. How about that? Yeah. How about that then? And you're right about San Antonio. It really is terrific. It's a place you you know, once you're here, you never have to get into a car unless Matt Norlander decides to make dinner plans at a place that requires you to get into a car. And then, of course, you get stuck in a traffic jam. That was a bad move by you. All I can say is the hotel person recommended it. Jeff Borzello recommended the place because he was there in 2011. And C.J. Moore had just eaten dinner there, and he recommended C.J. Moore from The Athletic. So I was I was catalyzed by the endorsements of many others. And then, yeah, it got a little, it got a little problematic, but we're, but we're okay. We're okay. We, first off, you can't really justify your actions by saying Jeff Porzello re- recommended it. I just did. I know, but that's not that's that's unacceptable. unacceptable. Oh man, I know. But hey, it was tremendous to see you. The hat you wore was ridiculous. Go ahead and check my Twitter feed at Matt Norlander, and you won't have to scroll too far back to check my tweet of a photo of Parrish wearing a bucket hat, which might have come with a bowl of soup. But regardless, you're a man of Distinct fashion, and hey, I, I can't fault you for it. I just don't know why 
I just don't know why you wore that specific. I'll tell you why. Because I saw what happens to you when you're walking out on the on the river walk. Just people constantly being like, hey, are you the guy on CBS Sports HQ? Are you the guy from HQ? I don't want to have to deal with that all night long. So I cover myself up so nobody can recognize me the way they recognize the superstar Matt Norlander. Well, that's, that's not true either. But regardless. It, it happened last night, by the way. Tell, tell, it did happen last night. No, not not like that. It, it did not happen like that. No. The guy was familiar with, with your work and my work because he reads the stuff, has the CBS Sports app on his phone, which everyone listening should absolutely have the CBS Sports app, because when you have that, you can check out our stuff, and you can watch Parrish on CBS Sports HQ all the time, anytime, talking college hoops. Make sure you get involved like that. So anyway, I really don't want to get into too much of Sunday, but I am, I'm on cloud nine this morning as we lead into the national championship game because we got Parrish to come out, do some stuff. Hang out. It was fantastic. I love seeing you. And I was uh, I was fantastic. I was fun to be around, wasn't I? You were pretty good. Yeah, I got I got to admit that was that was very fulfilling and, and quite enjoyable there. So, you want to talk about this game or what? I guess if we have to. I mean, Jesus, it's a I own college basketball podcast. I I, I I assume we have to talk about the basketball game at some point. Eight twenty Central. It's going to tip off. It's going to be on. TBS, so please don't tweet me and ask me where the game is. It's not on CBS this year. It's on TBS. It's going to be played inside the Alamo Dome. It is Villanova against Michigan. Villanova, a six-and-a-half-point favorite at this moment. Obviously, on Saturday night, a Jay Wright's team had one of the best offensive performances you'll ever see in a, in a college basketball game, particularly in a college basketball game on a big stage. They knocked down 13 threes in the first half. Uh, 18 for the game. It set a Final Four record, and I think we're we're basically in agreement. It, you know, you watch those two teams play on Saturday night, and even though Michigan is terrific and John Beeline is is a wizard, um, man, Villanova. Uh, we had been saying for a while they had been the best team in college basketball this season, and they really hammered that home on Saturday night. If they play anywhere close to their ability. It, it seems like they're going to win a national championship for the second time in a three-year period. Yeah, listen, that's that's the, the undeniable reality as we head into this title game. And I'm hoping that we get a championship game that is fitting of a, a pretty fun 2018 tournament that we've had. I mean, it would be great if we got if we got something close to a classic here, uh, maybe along the lines of what tw- uh, 2016, what Villanova and North Carolina provide us in, in Houston. But if Villanova is able to simply get into its groove and not even as dominantly as it did against Kansas, which was insane, by the way, and I wasn't even – I was just doing some work in the in the bowels of the of the dome, so I was not able to be out on the arena right at, at tip. So at one point, I'm like, all right, I got to get out there soon. Let me just check the score on this game. I bring up I bring up the score. It's 22-4. to 4? I'm like, what? So if they if they do that, forget about it. Like Michigan's a good defensive team, it's not offensively built. See, the thing about Kansas was it wasn't a great defensive team, but it was still a top five offense in college basketball. And while it was not really going to be able to catch up to Villanova, it could still potentially get hot and and maybe make things interesting. Michigan will not be able to do that if Michigan finds itself down twenty five to eleven in this game. There's I mean, anything is possible, but that's just the game's going to be it's going to be over. Um, And I'm I'm rooting for a good one. I'd love to get a really good game. This is the first time since Michigan was in the title game in 2013 
that we have a top three Ken Palm offense playing a top three Ken Palm defense. Now it's changed. In 2013, Louisville, in fact, Louisville was rated number one in uh, adjusted defensive efficiency. In 2013, Michigan was number one in offense. Here, obviously, we have Villanova number one. Michigan is number three. We'll see if Michigan can really extend that three-point line, as they like to say, and uh, and limit Villanova. They did hold Loyola Chicago to one of ten from three-point uh, distance on Saturday night, which was wound up being pretty critical in the big picture after Loyola had a seven-point lead. Uh, Michigan was able to come back and, and have a huge rally. Wagner was obviously massive, 25-14, and 14, uh, or 24-15. and 15, One of the two, I'm flipping the, the digits there overall. But um, it's going to be critical for Villanova to be held by Michigan in order to keep this game close. And by the way, that's not even going to, to assure victory. We'll remind listeners that Texas Tech made Villanova play a, a fairly ugly game for its standards, and Villanova still... One by twelve, so um, I, I think it can be close, but Villanova is going to have to have an off night in order for that to happen. To me, what you just said is the, is the problem: is that when Villanova has an off night, they're still good; they're they're still capable of beating quality opponents. When when a, a, an opponent has an awesome night, that they can still be with you at the end. I, I think I talked about it on the last podcast. Um, think about Villanova's first loss this season. And their elite eight win, which was, you know, before Saturday, their their last win um, against Butler at Hinkle. They're on the road. Butler shoots 68 percent from three that, that you should be down 25. And yet they were still in the game with four minutes to go against Texas Tech. Uh, they can't make up a shot. Jalen Brunson's not good. Mikel Bridges is not good. They still win the game by double digits. I mean, that's terrifying to me if I'm an if I'm the opposition, because like we can play out of our minds, but they're still going to be right there with us. That's what the Butler game shows, and we can actually bother them offensively. But somehow they still are up double digits on us. What? And you know that to me, that's what Michigan is dealing with here. Now, again, it's it's not a seven game series; it's just a forty minute game. It's not like Villanova sitting here undefeated with seven lottery picks on their on their roster. You know they are beatable. I don't want it to come across as if they're not. But they're a six-and-a-half, seven-point favorite for a reason. The reason is because uh, they're awesome. Um, I, I do want to touch on something you said about Michigan on the defensive end of the court. It's not just that Michigan's terrific uh, in general. Um, it's that they limit their opponents to three-point attempts almost better than anybody in the country. They rank fifth in the country in um, in limiting opponents to three-point field goal attempts. Their opponents only average 29.8% of their field goal from beyond the arc. The national average on that is 37.5. Villanova on that is, I believe, right at 48%, 47.5. So when you say they held Loyola to Michigan did to you know one of 10 three-point shooting, most people will focus on the one. I'll focus on the 10. They only got 10 takes. Yeah, they only got one make, but they only got 10 takes. And so Villanova wants to shoot around 48% of its field goal attempts from beyond the arc. Can Michigan effectively change that number? Can Michigan turn that into 40% of its field goal attempts or 37% of its field goal attempts? Obviously, at this point, the the best way to, I I think, uh, try to limit Villanova is is make them do something other than they want to do. And what they want to do more often than not 
it's it's just shoot it from beyond the arc from one of many places. Uh, obviously, John Beeline is 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 somebody who can recognize that, but his team is already equipped to limit that, and so that's going to be interesting to me. You know, I, I want to look up at halftime. Mm. How many takes has Villanova had? Uh, because what Michigan does seems to to be um, to put them in a position where they can limit those, and if they can't, they're in trouble. But if they can, you know, maybe they got a shot. Yeah, um, we'll rewind a little bit here to Saturday night because I'll, I'll link what they did against Loyola against Villanova here. And the Loyola, listen, the Loyola story was a lot of fun. And at halftime, you know, walking back to the, to our to our seats uh, for the second half of that game, uh, I, was, I was talking with the writer and I said, "Yeah, Loyola's got this, man. I think that Michigan's going to come back, and make it close, but Ramblers going to be playing in the national title game." And they went cold. They had five straight possessions with a turnover. And unfortunately, and this like this is just this is just a bummer in terms of the coverage of the game and experiencing it. It sucked that we had another mid-major team get to that stage, and then it just wilted. Like the game ends, Michigan wins by double digits. They look great. That their Michigan's push was a lot of fun. Just to see them kind of get in that groove and Wagner dominate, become only the third player, by the way to go for at least 20 and 15 in a, in a Final Four, and the only other two guys to do it are Elijah and Larry Bird. I mean, that's just, just ridiculous. Um, but unfortunately, Loyola did what happens with every other double-digit seed in the Final Four. I, I, you know, it's unfortunate, but it's what it is. Here's the interesting thing, though. I was talking with Michigan's coaches uh, yesterday, and I asked him, I said, listen, I know that Villanova and Loyola are obviously there, there are so many things about them that are different. And one of the most obvious things is, is the fact that Villanova's players are just they have NBA prospects. They're they're bigger. They're more physical. Uh, and just from a man to man, from a body to body standpoint, playing them will not be like playing Loyola. But did it help you to actually get Loyola Chicago the game before you play Villanova because, you know, this team did win more than 30 games. It had only lost once in 2018. It can pace in space. It moves the ball well. It likes to take advantage of its opportunities from three-point range. And they basically said, yeah, this is this – is abs- and Beeline, who I did not talk to, but Beeline himself – I have a preview of the game up at CBSSports.com or on your CBS Sports app, and the quote is in there. Beeline says, Villanova is, is like another version of Loyola Chicago. So – it helps Michigan to a certain degree from a prep and schematic standpoint that they had to, they had four or five days to get ready for Loyola, played them played them well, won, and now they're going to get just sort of a Loyola on steroids version here tonight. Doesn't mean that uh, that that alone is going to to vault them to a victory, but it certainly helps. They have they have adapted to that style, and as you mentioned, GP, holding the three point takes is going to be critical. Uh, you know what? Let's do one fun over under here. They held Loyola to ten. Villanova took forty against Kansas. Um, let's go. Let's go twenty three and a half three point attempts for Villanova in the national title game. You think Michigan can hold them under? I, I think they can. I don't think they will. I think Villanova is going to take more than twenty three. I'll I'll say barely under. That's I'll say that I'll say Nova's at twenty two or twenty three overall three point attempts in this game. Okay, that's interesting. Um, it is. It's based on what happened Saturday night. I mean, your 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 eye saw an offensive performance, um, literally unlike anything we'd ever seen at a Final Four. 
So I, I think it's very reasonable to reach a point where you start going, okay, I don't know how Michigan can beat these guys. But it is worth pointing out, Michigan's on a 14-game winning streak. That includes victories over Ohio State, Maryland, Michigan State, Purdue, Houston, Texas A&M, Florida State, Loyola Chicago. In other words, in this winning streak, they have beaten you know, the Big Ten outright champs. They've beaten a Houston team that's top 20 at Ken Palm. They've beaten, uh, you know, a loyal Chicago team that had won 30-something games. Like, they've beaten good people. And if you can, you know, if you can beat some of these teams the way that they've been able to beat some of these teams in this winning streak, there's nothing, you know, crazy about them beating Villanova. Um, I'll be surprised if it happens. You know, Villanova's favorite for a reason. But, I mean, this is a, this doesn't, I think some people feel like it's already done. Like Villanova is your national champion. And I'm not just, I'm not ready to go there yet. I'm not either. Um, but I'm not either. Like, and I, listen, you can, national title games can offer some funky ways of getting to a national champion. Just the way the game plays out. And Michigan obviously is totally worthy of being in this spot. I will note that Michigan has is the team that has had the easiest road in tournament history to the title game from a seeding perspective. They have not faced a team seeded first, second, third, fourth, or fifth en route to Monday night here in San Antonio. And so I just wonder if the first 10 minutes of the game, and the uh, assistants were mentioning this yesterday as well, uh, J.P., they are curious as to how their team adapts and gets into its its comfort zone against Villanova by the first TV timeout, essentially. Maybe the second TV timeout. Uh, because this will be – there's no denying it. They've played really, really good teams. And, and within their league, obviously, Michigan State and Purdue – um, are sitting at the same table as Villanova. If we're taking stock of the top 10 teams in college basketball, the two that are playing tonight are there, and the Boilermakers and Spartans are, are were certainly there uh, overall. So it's not going to be a complete shock to the senses, but when you've gone more than a month without playing a top 10 team, maybe even a top 15 team, and then you, you get the best team, um, I think that's something to keep in mind as well, just because Michigan has had, again, the easiest road to a to a title game yet. But they can definitely win. Um, I They're just going to need huge step-up plays from their guards. I mean, Charles Matthews uh, is going to need to play well. Xavier Simpson was terrible on Saturday and is going to need to have a turnaround game. I mean, if he plays that way again, I just don't think they'll have a shot. Wagner obviously will need to put up some significant numbers as well. They can win it. There's no doubt about it. And if they do... John Beeline winning a national title would uh, would mark he would be the oldest coach ever to win his first national title. He's sixty five now. If you're if you have like I think everybody outside of you know Villanova fans or Michigan fans um, were, were rooting for Loyola Chicago. Like people really fell in love with that story, Sister Jean, and a true mid major from a mid major league. Obviously, that's over now. Do those people do or or does it even matter? Do they even care? But I, I get the sense that if you are just a casual college basketball fan slash not a Villanova fan, uh, your rooting interests do turn toward John Beeline because he is considered 
um, one of the real gentlemen of the sport. And I, 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 we've talked about this before, but I think it's worth repeating, given that he's going to coach in a national championship game in a few hours. You know, last summer, you and I and Reed Forgrave asked more than 100 college basketball coaches anonymously, you know, to name um, a guy that they believe does it the right way at the high major level. And we gave them the option to say, no, they're just not one. Um, and some did say that, but I believe it was 27% of the vote went to John Beeline and nobody else got more than 10 and a half percent of the vote. So he not only won it, he won it by a significant margin. And in this year of scandal where the entire season has been overshadowed by negativity and corruption, and it's led some people, um, to suggest there's just no way you can win at the high major level. You could win, um, you know, you know, big stuff, you know, staying within the NCAA's guidelines. There's at least one guy whose peers, not you and I, but whose peers believe does it the right way. And, and that's John Beeline. And I think it would be fitting on some level to watch him, that guy with that reputation in this year of scandal, win a national championship. Yeah, no, there's absolutely, there's, there's something to that. Um, and for him to do it with this team, by the way, I went back and looked, Parrish, uh, at the 1-351. to 351. I did not have Michigan anywhere. I had, I basically said Michigan was going to be one of the five or six teams that are clustered in that 2-7 to seven range in the Big Ten behind Michigan State. They were in the, in the like 42 or 43 overall in the preseason, so that was a big swing and a miss by me, and I guess by us because we didn't even have them in the preseason, top 25 and one. But for him to do that with these coaches, you know, bringing the two coaches, uh, DeAndre Haynes and Luke Yaklich, over from Illinois State last year in the middle of the summer. Uh, Saudi Washington, who has the lead scout on this Villanova game, has only been there, what, two years now. So beeline to have a young staff that hasn't been around a ton. There is not an – like Charles Matthews was a solid recruit. He went to Kentucky, but he was a transfer. Like in terms of guys that Michigan recruited – on this roster, there aren't five-star guys. It's 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 really the last team I think that was this uh, built like this without elite recruits, even one or two or three, was probably to get to a title game was probably Butler in 2011, and that was after Gordon Hayward had left. Shelvin Mack was on the team, and he wasn't even like he wasn't a top shelf recruit or anything like that. Uh, so for Beeline to not only do it, given on what the things you said. But with this particular roster and Wagner to develop the way that he has. And by the way, he could have gone to the NBA last year. Didn't. Came back. Obviously, that's been pivotal, uh, if if not downright necessary, to getting Michigan to this point. I think a lot of people would be thrilled to see a guy like John Beeline, who is well over 1,200 games into his career as a college coach, uh, win a national championship. He said on Sunday, someone asked him about, you know, whether he considers the Michigan retroactive champions, given Louisville had the 2013 title taken away, or just, or if a championship would change how he views his career, I mean, he said the diplomatic, you know, you know, humbling thing, and said, "No, I, I, I wouldn't." But I mean, I, I don't believe that fully. I mean, if you've coached this long, and you're particularly at a, you're at a place like Michigan, which really shows, um, you know, you've you've gone to a place and, and done so much good in your career. Uh, winning a national title like that—that—that that, that is a big time, a big time deal, and w- it certainly would fill out your resume. I don't think anyone's denying that. Um, and just ask Jay Wright uh, how different his career is right now, and Bill Self how different his career is right now. Two other coaches that were at this Final Four, and how their lives and their reputations and perceptions of their ability as a coach, right or wrong, changed once they won a national title. 
beelines knocking on the door. And who knows? Um, maybe we have a situation tonight where Michigan wins this game 68-65 and beeline coaches an absolute clinic and it winds up going down as this kind of game where people look back and say, yeah, John Beeline got a national championship. Michigan in 2018, do you remember what he did, how he coached those guys, how he schemed? It was a master class, and that's, and that's why he's got that title. That's certainly on the table. Obviously, also on the table, and the more likely outcome is that Villanova wins the national championship, and then Jay Wright gets you know, multiple national titles, which puts him in, in really elite company and I think ensures that he's a Naismith Memorial Hall of Famer. Honestly, I think he could lose tonight. Jay could and still end up in the Naismith Memorial Hall of Fame. But um, obviously, you get two national titles. That's, that's game, set, match. He's got an opportunity to, to really punch a ticket to some special places tonight. Yeah, if he wins tonight, uh, he will be the eighth coach ever to get two titles in a three-year run. <clears throat> uh, the guys who have done it are Kay, obviously Billy Donovan, like those, Billy Donovan was back to back, but it's any two titles in any three year runs. It's Shashevsky, uh, Donovan, Wooden, Ed Jucker, who was at Cincinnati. I'm going deep into these names right now. Adolf Ropp did it. Uh, Henry Iba did it. This guy named Phil Wolpert, uh, who was the coach at UNC, until I saw this stat a couple of days ago, did not know who Phil Wolpert is. Apologies, Tar Heels fans. And I think yeah, that's the list. That. And then also. Um, there are only 14 coaches, and I say only, that's actually a decent amount. 14 coaches have at least two national championships. If Villanova wins, Jay Wright becomes number 15. Are you counting Rick Pitino in that? I am counting Rick Pitino in that. Oh, wait. Yeah, no, I am. Yes. You realize he doesn't have two anymore. Right, but I th- I, he still won two of them. That's fair. Yeah. So. so either way, the list is very, very short yeah. of men who have done uh, what Jay is in a position to do. Uh, later on tonight. All right. We, I think, talked about it from every angle. Do you, do you actually think Michigan can win this game? What's the prediction? My prediction is I think they can win the game. Um, I want a close game. Uh, I think it'll be interesting at the half. I'll say Villanova's going to win this. I'll say Villanova's going to cover the spread. Uh, Score-wise, let's let's throw up some scores here. Uh, give me Villanova 77-67, but in a game that is interesting until maybe about three and a half, four to go, Villanova establishes some sort of six, seven, eight-point cushion, and then it just kind of it settles into a double-digit uh, ending. And if that happens, Villanova will have won every postseason game this year by at least 10 points. I preface everything I say by acknowledging that I'm terrible at this. And I often, um, my predictions are really just my hopes. Um, I, you know, I, I, I want certain things and I'd like to have a competitive basketball game, um, on, on Monday night. Um, so I do think Michigan covers the number, which is six and a half or seven. Uh, but I, I, it's hard to envision Villanova losing, you know, when healthy this season, um, they've been the best team in the country. They've looked at every step of the way. And there was a a tweet from Saturday night um, that a Philadelphia Inquirer reporter tweeted. And it, it was based around the idea of just how you know impossible it is to deal with Villanova. So at one point in that game, Kansas is down 15 points. And then Kansas scores on five straight possessions. And after those five straight possessions of scoring, they were down 17 points. Like, what? Hold on. We can score every time we get the ball, and we're, we're like, not catching up. 
and that's what Villanova can do from you, do uh, you know, do with you. You know, they, I think 18 of their first 21 field goal attempts the other night were uh, from beyond the arc, and because they have capable shooters all over the court, really at at, at every position, it just becomes it can feel absolutely deflating. And so I, I recognize there's a risk of that, of Villanova coming out and being Villanova and, and you're down 14-2. to two. Um, But I, I do think that that Michigan hangs around. I do think that Michigan gives us a game. I'll go something like Villanova 71, uh, Michigan 68, and hope that, you know, at the under four that we've got a competitive basketball game. I'm not sure that we will, but um, I'd like to see it. I would too, and then uh, let's yeah, just hope we get a good one, uh, a, a, a fun fitting end to uh, to certainly an interesting college hoop season, and then obviously we'll wrap that up later in the week. Uh, I fly out way early. I don't even think I'm going to bed after the title game. I've got an early flight back home uh, on Tuesday morning, and then uh, obviously you will fly back as well. So either uh, we'll see how the game goes. Um, we'll get something to you, try and get it to you as quickly as possible, particularly if it's if it winds up being an epic, we don't want to have to make you wait for our uh, for our recap podcast, but we'll take that hour by hour, see what we can get it to you. And um, regardless, as we head into this title game, just want to thank the listeners for uh, just being great and subscribing and rating and, and doing all that. It's been uh, the most successful season for the podcast yet, and we obviously hope to keep growing with all that and wouldn't want to do it with anyone but GP. So it's been a, it's been a fun year, and I hope we get a great finale tonight. Shouts! To Devin Downey, shouts to Chester, South Carolina, shouts to Terry, MF, and Teagle. He's the legend. Please go subscribe to the Island College Basketball Podcast via Apple Podcasts. Rated favorably, like Norlander said. Um, we really do appreciate that. It matters. It helps. And uh, we thank you every time you do that. Five stars with nice comments. That's uh, all that we ask. Uh, like Norlander said, uh, we will talk to you again real soon. Perhaps, honestly, if it is a classic game given that both of us have to be up early tomorrow anyway and might not go to sleep tonight anyway, we might be able to get to you in the middle of the night. I don't know. I'll actually leave it up, Orlander. But either way, we're going to talk to you again real soon. Until then, take care.